This is the Gambling Gauchos. Hey! If we keep playing and fighting for each other, and no matter what happens, we just say what's next. That's all we do! Somebody turn on some damn music! You're listening to the Gambling Gauchos. Talking Texas Tech, betting on the Big 12 and beyond. We've got everything you need, money lines, memes, and matadors. Well, you want to quit, Ethan? That'll be the day. Now, here's Kyle Jacobson and Rob Bro, the money line matadors. And Ryan Casino Cowboys. Parlay Picadors. You see, in this world, there's two kinds of people, my friend. Those with loaded guns and those who dig. You dig. With the Gambling Gauchos. Oh, and one more thing. It's all West Texas. It always has been. Welcome to the Gambling Gauchos. I'm Rob Bro. He's Kyle Jacobson. He's Ryan Mainville. Menace Mainville. In the Cardinals Sports Center studio, as we always are. Just watch the Dallas Cowboys do what the Dallas Cowboys do. Uh, if you want to gear up for Texas Tech baseball season, you can do that at Cardinals, mycardinalsports.com. Go get you a nice cap to wear to those baseball games or maybe a new shirt. Whatever else. Try not to be sad, but uh, watching your team lose in the playoffs and immediately recording after. Well, Kyle already knows what it's like, but now I do. Uh, and so does Ryan. So here we are. Not a lot of happy things to talk about uh, in this episode. So do you want to start with uh, some some NFL playoffs and how we potentially will have a big 12 quarterback off in the super bowl now yeah i'm I'm just what you would call an early adopter i just did what y'all are doing a week prior and or maybe i'm a trendsetter it's one way to say it but you know hey what what y'all didn't have to go through those and during that two weeks in a row like the vikings were my favorite team last weekend they lost cowboys my favorite team for this past week, they let me down. Um, maybe that doesn't bode well for the Chiefs. Hopefully that's not a, a disturbing pattern that's unfolding. Well, just go be an Eagles fan or something. If that's what it takes. I, I, I will say, though, on, on this Big 12 quarterback thing, uh, of course I'm rooting for Mahomes out of the AFC, obviously. Uh, I guess I'm pulling for the Niners now in the NFC. I know that Jalen Hurts played a season at OU, but I don't consider him a Big 12 quarterback. Like, to me, you kind of need the majority of your time, like, in the same way that Troy Aikman is not a Big 12 quarterback. You know, one year at OU and the rest of your collegiate career somewhere else. Well, so, like, I get it on a technicality. Yeah, there's three Big 12 quarterbacks, but that's why I didn't include him in a picture and because I'm not rooting for them. I mean, to be fair, Troy Aikman would be a Big 8 quarterback. Okay. Thank you for the correction, Rob. Right, Very well, important distinction. Yeah, thank you. 
Uh, the chat has already uh, clued in on Money Mainville's uh, renovations there in the childhood bedroom. Uh, what what is that skylight? Is that uh, Plano East back there, or what? What are we looking at? Yeah, this is right off uh, seventy five. This is the beautiful skyline in Plano, Texas, booming area. So, lots of developments going up. But just uh, man, I've had lots of time to watch a lot of HGTV lately because all of my sports are slowly killing me. Um, and decided to get busy, and pretty happy with the result. It, is Jalen Hurts a Big Twelve quarterback? No, because Big Twelve or because OU is in a Big Twelve school. Thank you. That's true. Yeah, he also they're also leaving. So anyway, uh, are, are we all are we all for a Purdy Mahomes Super Bowl? This is a tough spot for the Cowboys fans because like you don't want to root for the team that just beats you, but also you don't want to root for the the Eagles. No, I'm so, just, I mean, no, all, no, it's easy. Are we are we all Niners fans? Yeah. Okay. Never the Eagles. Never the Eagles. Never. The, the comments are already great. Uh, I've already <laughs> been called Rob Rowe and Rod Rue. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know hey, which one of those is right. Hey, Ryan, do you want to hear a funny story of getting to know the Gauchos that it was before your time? Let's hear it. Rob and I were meeting with a, a potential sponsor at uh, at Chimmy's. And by the way, this sponsor should have gotten in with us. It, it would have been pretty lucrative for them. Yes. Um, they, they didn't. But when Rob was introducing himself, you know, he says, like, to this guy we've never met, he says, like, hey, Rob, bro. And the guy thought he was, like, calling him bro and, like, introducing himself as Rob and then addressing him as bro, like Rob, comma, bro. And so I wonder how often Rob gets that, like, hey, my name's Rob, bro. Just like, like, hey, hey, man, I'm Rob. Or, hey, bro, I'm Rob. That's kind of what he thought he was saying. Like, I'm Rob, bro. Do you remember that, Rob? Yeah, and it's always it, either that or people would be like, oh, like, bro, what's up, bro? And it's like, yeah. <laughs> like, cool. yeah, that's yes. what I just said. <laughs> yeah, that's my name. Thanks. Let's uh, Let's do that again. Oh, man. So Rob, Rob Rowe, I, I can... I can see that phonetically. If you're just saying like Rob Bro real yeah, fast. Rob Bro. Well, the big voice guy on KKM legitimately says uh Ryan Hyatt's Raiderland with Rob Bro. <laughs> it's so bad. And it does it like six times an episode. Anyways, uh Aaron also says he's jealous of Rod's uh Twitter bots. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what's going the on. The YouTube chat, man. The YouTube chat's always crazy. We don't know what's going on, but uh, here we are. Headboard Kyle, uh, Money Mainville showing off his money tonight. I'm in a new uh, place as well. Mahomes Crunch. If y'all remember Mahomes Crunch, we got a box of Mahomes Crunch up there. I actually have two more. Should we give away a box of Mahomes Crunch? I don't care. Somebody wants some uh, Mahomes Crunch. I got three boxes from the Hy-Vee. All the way from uh, Kansas. Uh, let's get this episode going. So, uh, potential Big 12 quarterbacks in the Super Bowl. Brock Purdy, obviously, with the 49ers. I guess we're not counting Jalen Hurts. The Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, uh, hurting his ankle, beats the Jaguars with one leg. Uh, can the Chiefs beat the Bengals this year? Did I stump you? I was going to let Ryan go first. 
I don't know. Depends on what's really happening with the ankle. I'm sure that what really happened is starting to be felt tonight and he'll be feeling it tomorrow as well. So I have no idea where he's at with, with the ankle, but I mean, anything is possible. So anything have, uh, have the Bengals lost since Jamar chase came back? Ooh, uh, well, no, I, I legitimately can't remember. And they might've dropped one with, with Jamar chase, but you know, they started Oh, and two, and then Joe Burrow deleted his social media and Jamar Chase got hurt, but they've been really good. Like after that really slow start. Um, But I I told you, Rob, last episode, you asked me like, who would I rather see them play? And I said, Bengals one. So they get the game at home instead of at a neutral site. And two, because they got to get this monkey off their back with the Bengals. Uh, That would honestly be kind of rough for Mahomes' legacy. If he loses two AFC championships in a row at home to Joe Burrow to Joe Burrow. Yeah. That's the key thing. That would not be ideal. So, I obviously we don't know about the the cankle, but he, he's a freak though. Um, when he dislocated his kneecap, they said that like basically because he's double jointed and stuff that he was able to come back way sooner than anybody else would. And th- these Iowa State fans were chirping at us on Twitter. They were like, because I said that he had a, a sprained AC joint, which I think was in his throwing shoulder, yeah. if I remember correctly. Um, a broken wrist and a sprained knee during his time at Texas Tech and, of course, played through all of that at a high level because he was drafted top 10. Dumb. And so my Iowa State fan was like, well, which one of those did he have when he lost 66 to 10? And I was like, literally all three of those. Yeah. And he wasn't playing defense, so he didn't have anything to do with the 66 part. So, oh, yeah, Joe Burrow is from Ames. That's a good comment here on the YouTube stream. So we got to three, four Big 12 quarterbacks uh, available. Yeah, I was trying to think of any connection on the Bengals that would like if they had a backup or or something like that who was Big Twelve. But um, so anyway, um, Mahomes is kind of a freak, I think, when it comes to injuries. Now it looked bad; high high ankle sprains are tough if if that is what it is. But adrenaline is also a hell of a drug. I'm sure they can shoot him up with something. So I'm I'm positive he's playing. We'll see how hobbled he is, but hopefully it's enough to to get the dub because then he gets two weeks before the Super Bowl. That's true. Uh, have we talked about the flag football in the in the Pro Bowl? Thoughts on the flag football? Do you do you like it? Do you hate it? Do you care? Have you seen the commercials? Yes, I saw a bunch of them tonight. I uh, was surprised by their choice of slogan. Their oh the what was it? Grip, grip it and it, rip it. Grip it and tug it. Something like that. Yeah, Eli. Eli, uh, you can you just write it down and he'll say it. It's like Ron Burgundy. I think I can confidently say I've never watched a single minute of the Pro Bowl or any Pro Bowl festivities, so I didn't even know they were doing that. And no, I don't. I don't care. I used to be a huge fan of the skills competitions, but they took all the football skills competitions away. It's like dodgeball, and I think they're gonna do a long drive challenge, some stuff like that. Maybe a three-point contest. It's all like non-football stuff. Are they doing an eating contest? They should. Yeah. They should do that with Rahino Barbecue. There you go. <laughs> Rahino Barbecue. For all your Pro Bowl uh, ribs eating, brisket eating competition needs, that would actually that would be really fun if they had yeah. to down like one 
one slice or one unit of different kinds of barbecue because then they'd also get a jalapeno popper, uh, maybe Texas Twinkie, part of a brisket burger. Yeah, Rahino Barbecue, you know them, you love them out in Olton and going all across West Texas in the mobile food truck. You can order ahead, rahinobbq.com. Follow them on social at rahinobbq. They're introducing new menu items all the time. They've got lunch specials pretty consistently now. They're open Thursday through Saturday. Go see them. Tell them the gaucho sent you. And it is the best plate of barbecue you might ever enjoy. It's true. Um, should we just rip the band-aid off and start talking tech basketball? I don't want to. Well, we, we do a Sunday episode to uh, recap the Saturday game, so I feel like we yeah. have to. All right. Even though we don't want to. Where... Where do we want to start? Since, since Mainville is the basketball guru, you tell us where we should start this conversation. It's a pretty good stats. Uh, on uh, what was it? Uh, was it in the Discord or was it on Twitter? You were throwing out some good stats this weekend on a couple of players that you just expect to be better. And I will say, on the radio broadcast from uh, Haxon Level, they were talking about one particular guy that uh, just needs to play better, and they were they were talking pretty good about him. Yeah, and those would, of course, be, in my mind, the, the two players who are supposed to be your veteran leaders, namely Kevin O'Banner and Davion Harmon, who right now are have played more minutes in, in Big 12 play than anyone else so far. And I'm trying to get their stats loaded right now. Um, but I think it's just it's uncharacteristic, for one. Um, I, I think it's a result of guys playing in a scheme that's not not always great. I think, especially when you look at O'Banner and some of the numbers that he's put up, especially with the turnovers, I think it reveals something concerning, but kind of the issue that you keep hearing about this team is, Oh, they're young, which sure. I mean, you've got some freshmen playing. They may be some of your best players and you shouldn't be playing young because you've got two guys that have played a lot of power five basketball and you look at these numbers, I mean, O'Banner is shooting a 41-21-63 split in Big 12 play. He's got five assists to 23 turnovers, which is absurd. He's fifth in the Big 12 in turnovers right now. If you go down the list, you've got Damian Baugh with 37 assists, 25 turnovers. Keontae Johnson, 18 assists, 24 turnovers. Marquise Noel, 56 assists, 24 turnovers. Mike Miles, 25 assists, 23 turnovers. And then there's Kevin O'Banner with five assists and 23 turnovers. And it, it just leaves me dumbfounded. It's, it's bad play. It's bad scheme. And that's just, you can't have that from a guy that's supposed to be your leader. He's got two blocks uh, in Big 12 play right now, under 12 points per game and less than, or at about six rebounds per game. And that, that's just been a, a black hole for you offensively in, in every way. And then you go to the guards and you've got Harmon, who's shooting a 40-25-63 split. So even worse from the field, a little bit better from three. He's got 16 assists to 15 turnovers. Nothing that really catches your eye. He's got 15 steals, which I, I think has been a necessity for him because his off-ball defense has been so bad. And he's at 12 points per game, 2.3 assists per game, 3.3 rebounds per game. And 
until you get more out of those guys, you're going to keep losing basketball games. You might lose every single game on your schedule if those two guys don't start playing better. Ryan, I've got a question for you about player development in case I forget it. I'm going to circle back to that question because I want to emphasize something you said about the youth on this team. Yes, you did have an infusion of is it four true freshmen, Fisher, Jennings, Washington, and Isaacs. Um, Isaacs is a starter. Fisher has not gotten many minutes. Jennings and Washington are kind of in the rotation to varying degrees game to game. But I, I tried to kind of counter that point even before the season and say, like, a lot of your guys that you're expecting to be primary contributors are in at least their second year of Power 6 basketball or have played a ton of college basketball, like Kevin O'Banner's in year five or, or whatever. And our our good friend Jackson, who does some podcasting for Heartland College Sports, he actually compiled the the breakdown in, in Big 12 play. So this is those seven games only. But 56% of the team's minutes in Big 12 play have been by a player who's in year three or longer of college basketball. And without looking, I'm sure Jalen Tyson, who's in year two, eats up a good portion of the minutes because he's a starter and a staple in the rotation. And then Pop Isaacs is your only true freshman who's a starter. And he's kind of the least of your concerns, which you alluded to, Ryan. Like, yeah, he's a true freshman, but he's arguably your best player. Um, And so I don't really ascribe all the issues that we're having to the youth because to the youth on this team it they're not getting a lion's share of the minutes in big 12 play and the freshman who's eating up the most minutes pop isaacs is sometimes your best player on the court for very long stretches uh my question was what do you how do you account for the fact like okay so when kevin mcculler leaves and we bring in Davion Harmon. I pulled up their stats. They had both played three years of Power Six basketball. And, you know, I'm pulling up their per 40 minutes stats. And, okay, we're sacrificing some rebounding because McCullough was really good at that. Harmon's a better three point shooter. So, that, you know, the, there's some give and take there. But, but I thought all in all, that would be a net neutral. Um, Harmon has not lived up to what he put on the stat sheet for three years before arriving in Lubbock. And Kevin O'Banner, um, last season was pretty good. The only kind of gripe about his game was that his three-point shooting fell off. And then this season, he's been, like, worse in every aspect. What do you ascribe to the fact that guys are not just not improving year to year, but seemingly taking pretty marked steps back? Well, I used to feel like I had a really good answer for this, and that was the fact that when you transferred to Texas Tech – you were playing in the most demanding defensive scheme in the country. And especially if you're a talented player and you're going to be playing 30 plus minutes per night, it's going to take a lot out of you to really perform on the offensive end the way you would like if you're playing that hard on the defensive end. But this year, with the defensive energy and just familiarity and identity that Texas Tech has built for itself has just disappeared. And now I just don't know. Like, uh, I, I gotten asked this question a couple of times. It's kind of the, the thing that everybody's asking right now is where do you look? Do you look at the players or do you look at the coaches? And I, I don't feel like I have a good answer for that. I kind of feel like my answer is, is yes. Like, you can't have a guy that is shooting as poorly as a guy like Kevin O'Banner is. But then it's like, how how do you have a guy that 
maybe plays power forward, maybe plays small forward, and he's got five assists to 23 turnovers. There's just no way that he should be in that position. Davion Harmon doesn't always seem like he knows what's going on when he's running the half-court offense. How can you kind of get that away from him and put it into Pop Isaac's hands, who, quite frankly, looks a lot more comfortable running the point than than Harmon does right now? And so... It used to be a, a good excuse to to say, you know, you've got to come in, you've got to play this new defensive scheme. It demands a lot of you physically and mentally on the other end of the court. You come back down, your numbers are going to drop off. But now I just, I, I don't know. And, and Kevin O'Banner is kind of the, the one that really puzzles me because he, he's got enough data behind him now for you to think that things should be a bit better and we're sitting here 25 games 25 Big 12 games into his Texas Tech career, and he's 26 and 93 from deep. It's 28%. This is a guy that shot 45% in conference play at Oral Roberts. So I don't know. I, I'm I'm lost. I'm I'm asking the the same question myself. There was a time in that Kansas State game where was it King McClure was calling the game? I think it was. He said something about uh, David Harmon having his best year yet in the in, like in college, and I was like, "Oh, that's okay. He's not doing his research." And I go back, and it's like, "Well, in some ways, like he's not far off from what he was anywhere else." Like maybe we just expected too much from Harmon, and people keep saying, "Well, this team has talent. This team has talent." Yeah. Um. But it is inexperienced. And we talk about it being young, but it's also just inexperienced because Bacho, year three in the system, right? Or at least in college basketball, but he's not played a ton. And Jalen Tyson, year two in college basketball, but he played, what, six, seven games last year? Uh, Demarion Williams has not played Power 5 competition yet, and he's just getting into it this year, and he really hasn't had many Big 12 minutes. So... Not only are you inexperienced, you're inexperienced together because you replaced an entire roster. And I don't well, think we can. I don't think we can uh, give any kind of chemistry like issues at all to to being young and inexperienced. It, it's young and inexperienced together. And, okay, you've, and you've not improved. Of, but part of the reason why you had to replace so much production is because two guys with eligibility remaining who were two of your best players last season, TJ Shannon and Kevin McCuller, for whatever reason, didn't want to play here anymore. And oh, we yeah. can argue whether they got a bag at KU or Illinois or if it was the rotations or whatever. Um, I think basically Clarence Nadolny was not invited back or enticed back. And is he a, a 32 minutes a night guy? No, but like, do you win in Austin last year without him? Also, no. Uh, you could use his his energy, um, his 100%, experience. Yes, and so like yeah, you had to replace a lot, and some guys like Silva and, and Bryson ran out of eligibility. But also, it seems like some of that was your own doing, either through action or inaction, and not making this an attractive program to be part of, or at least not as attractive as Illinois, Kansas, or playing overseas in, in the Dolney's case, and so. I get what you're saying and like it's a it's a reality, but I also think that it's not just something we happened upon and like nobody could have possibly done anything about it because part of 
managing a collegiate program is recruiting and recruiting is a year round deal. You have to recruit out of the high school ranks and you have to recruit your current players to stay here because they can go anywhere they want any off season. And again, for whatever reason, I'm not blaming the coaching staff per se. Um, but guys with talent and experience chose to look elsewhere. And that's part of the issue. You were going to be, it was going to be an issue because of your roster last year. When Chris Beard left, you went and got a bunch of seniors and you were going to have a young team this year and you went and got five freshmen and then you ran off three upperclassmen for whatever, like, okay, maybe they just wanted to leave, but they aren't here anymore. So you took your issues and compounded them greatly by not being able to retain those three players and Malik Wilson, four, four players. And Malik Wilson chose to go sit out at another Power 5 program because he didn't want to play here anymore or or wasn't asked to come back. I have no idea. That's pretty striking to me that Malik Wilson went and chose to transfer and sit somewhere else instead of playing. Well, and I'll remind you all, we had, I mean, either of you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure we left a scholarship open to start the season. Like, I think we only had 12 guys on scholarship. And so it wasn't even a matter of, well, they were they thought they were out recruiting Nadolnian Wilson by bringing in Kerwin Walton or Elijah Fisher. We just had a spot open to begin with. Right. That could have been Nadolny's or obviously Shannon's or McCullers had they wanted to stay. Had they wanted to stay. Kyle, you're you're frozen there. You're gonna come back in in a second. Ryan, um, while he's frozen, are, is he frozen for you? Okay, I love this his face as he's frozen. Thumbnail. <laughs> so, yeah, we're gonna put this as the thumbnail. Um, I guess let's continue on his train of thought. Sh- should this team have fought harder to get Nadolny back? Is he is he the kind of the thing you're missing? That hard nosed defensive edge that this team just seemingly doesn't have. Yes and no. I mean, I, I don't think in college basketball you're ever really wanting to turn away experience. Uh, I think that with, with Nardolny, it was always kind of waiting for him to take just another step offensively, and that never really happened. But on the defensive end, you could use him for sure. I think my biggest issue and complaint about the roster construction is I think you found something last year that worked really well. Uh, You could argue that some of that was inherited. You could argue that some of that was won on on the trail and in the portal, whatever. But I, I think you really saw that the way that you get the most out of this defensive scheme is by landing as many long rangey athletic guys as you can in letting a play and offense was a problem at times for sure. That might be something you want to address with scheme. And it felt like this off season, it was addressed through roster construction. And so you've got pop Isaacs who's playing big minutes and he's your best player offensively, but he's not a guy that, you know, Texas tech has been throwing out there on the defensive end very often over the last couple of years. And so I, I think you, I think your roster speaks for itself. Uh, I think that you've got 
you've definitely favored offense over defense, and that's been a massive negative uh, on both aspects of your game. And, and now you're just you're stuck, and, and you don't really have anything to hang your hat on. And I'm I've just been combing through numbers the the past couple of days trying to to make it make sense and. Everything I stumble upon is just crazy because because Texas Tech for for all their offensive woes over the last couple of years and they haven't been small they've been able to erase a lot of that with really good defense and I mean you look at it this year and it, it's just not there they they lead the Big Twelve in turnovers in Big Twelve play they they've turned the ball over 106 times while they force just 83 turnovers so they are negative 23 in the turnover margin in Big 12 play right now. You go and you look at a team like Kansas State. They're second in the conference in turnovers. They've got 100, only six fewer than Tech, but they forced 94. And that's what you're missing. You're, you're not doing it offensively, and you're not doing it defensively, and you are going to keep losing games until that tide shifts. You're talking about the length. Um, a lot was said last year as your starting lineup was Six five or taller. Um, you didn't have any seven footers, but you were six six five to six nine all the way across the board. Um, is that we talk about roster construction? You talk about um, Kyle struggling. You talk about roster construction. You talk about scheme. D- did they try to change the scheme and then just? <laughs> and then just struggle to to get past like what where's the failing there is the failing on the recruiting is the failing on the scheme is the failing on the coaching you're sitting here oh and seven people are trying to find something to blame um is there only one thing to blame or is it just a kind of a colossal failure all the way around i think there are definitely a, a lot of components at play i think there are a lot of things that you could look to 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 be a cause for concern or or an issue for this team, but I think you intentionally tried to recruit offensive players over defensive players. Those players haven't panned out. Yes, you've been dealing with a couple of injuries throughout the season. Maybe a guy who was going to be one of your better players missing essentially all of camp. Davion Harmon not really showing up. Uh, Jalen Tyson kind of being sporadic, not not really the guy that I thought he was going to be, even though when he's on, it looks like he's one of the most promising offensive players on this team. Daniel Bacho, man, for, for all that was said about him this offseason, which I think was uh, premature and pretty uh, pretty loose-lipped. To, to be calling him an NBA guy this offseason. I think that that's stuck with some people, and there's just that, that's a tough sell, man. And, and he's made some strides on the defensive end, but he has been invisible offensively. And so there's just no, there's, there's nowhere to really turn and point and say, this is the issue. There's just so much going wrong. And, and that's why you're 0 7. There were two possessions, one late where there was a perfect pick-and-roll run. Bacho wide open, streaking down the lane. I don't know if it was Pop or Davian Harmon didn't throw it to him. Then Bacho works really hard, gets back in front of the defender, is posted up, 
everyone's ISO. He's the only two in the lane. He's got a huge mismatch. And they work around the perimeter. And Bacho backs off the lane, stands there for the rest of the possession. Um, he looked really frustrated that they didn't kind of force it down there after what looked like a, maybe a timeout that said, hey, let's get Bacho a look down low. Especially against Kansas State. How do you not work with a five-point lead down low in the paint with mismatches after you get their guy in foul trouble the entire second half? Brutal. Kyle, welcome back. Thanks. Do you want to finish your thought from earlier? Yeah, I think I was saying that some people are just kind of using that as a blanket excuse. They're like, oh, the team is inexperienced or they're they're new. It's like, well, they're new because ultimately – the staff didn't fair or not. The staff didn't do a good enough job re-recruiting their roster. Cause like, would we be having these same problems if McCullough and Shannon were back? Probably not. And and I mean, who knows? Maybe they would have all regressed just as badly as O'Banner has. But I think that's a fair criticism of the staff. Like, you don't just get to lose some of your best players to the portal and not ask questions about the circumstances or context that surround those decisions. When what's crazy is in the offseason, um, it all made sense that Shannon was leaving and that Nadolny didn't come back and that Kevin McCuller was going to test the NBA waters and then it was frustrating he came back to Kansas, but I think we all understood why he didn't come back to Texas Tech at the time. But now that it's all happening and kind of in clear view and hindsight's twenty twenty, it looks terrible. It looks much worse than we thought. Can I rant for a second as well? I would love for that. It might take me more than a second, but a run is coming. Was that meant sarcastically? Because that like kind of teased me up for this. Um, Our boy, friend of the show, Beans, Coach Beans, tweeted out that clip of the famous Mike Leach speech after the Baylor game. It fits so well. 2009. It's perfect. And I just to remind people of that speech, if you're not familiar with the YouTube clip, I think Tech had barely beaten Baylor. So this was actually after a win, not a loss. But Coach Leach was pissed off at the sense of entitlement and complacency with that team, kind of just resting on their laurels. Like this this is after the great 2008 season, going back to even 2004, 2005, program that had won a, a bunch of games over the last half decade or so. And he could sense that the team was a little bit too happy with that, with their previous performance. And so he's laying into me saying, you know, you didn't catch those passes. Michael Crabtree caught those passes. You didn't make those interceptions. Darcel McBath made those interceptions. Nobody in this room won 11 games. Those guys won 11 games. And I mean, he goes, my favorite part of that, he's like, F that. F that. He goes, and F Baylor, and F you, and F me. And he's just pissed off. And in my opinion... That was the exact right thing to say to that team. That team wound up winning nine games, including an Alamo Bowl. Um, you know, season we haven't had a season that good since then. And what I keep seeing, not only from like the fans, but like players, um, I would like people close to the program. Let's say they're on Twitter, just like, well, you know, give them some credit. They were close, and had it not gone this way versus TCU, we would have won that game. And they're just like going back in time to count wins that almost happened. And it's so opposite of what we saw during football season, which was what's next, good or bad. Like, okay, hey, we're four and five, what's next? 
Well, what's next is that football team won four games in a row. And nobody, it, it seems, at least outwardly with the messages they're projecting to the fan base, nobody is like, what's next? It's like, oh, well, the refs screwed us. We're young. We're inexperienced together. There's no chemistry. Or if this hadn't happened, we would have won the game. I mean, it's, it's just pitiful to me. And, oh, don't worry, we're about to win some games. Or, hey, by the time February gets here, this team will be in good shape. That's the head coach saying that. Like, February? The season started in November. What do you mean in February? And so there's just this constant looking back and, like, well, don't you know we made a Sweet 16 last year? Okay, great. But and now it's this year. And we're not going to the Sweet 16, that's for damn sure. And but everybody wants to rest on those laurels and say, hey, don't worry, these guys didn't forget how to coach. They made a sweet 16 last year. Well, that was great last year, but you don't get to just ride that scooter forever and live off of that one season. And and I'm not I feel like I'm not being um, greedy here as a fan. Like we're not five and two in Big 12 play and me. I'm not bitching here that we're like not seven and oh, they haven't won a game versus a quad one or a quad two team for the year. Yes, like they're doing less than the bare minimum. So this isn't a case of like, uh, I've seen this take, oh, your expectations were too high if you're disappointed by this. Like, no, we're 0-9 versus teams with a pulse. To be disappointed in that doesn't mean your expectations were too high. It means that that's a terrible product that's being put in front of us. And so uh, to me, there is nobody saying what Mike Leach said or what Joey McGuire said, which is, hey, that was last year's team. Bryson Williams made those shots. Marcus Santos Silva closed out on those shots. There's nobody saying that. There's nobody saying what's next. It's all a bunch of just whining that, oh, well, we could have won this game. We could have won that game. We're close. Maybe next time. Maybe when February gets here. And it's just an awful message and culture, in my opinion. And maybe it's different inside the locker room. But if it is different inside the locker room, they need to project outwardly a different message because the message they're putting out right now, I think, sucks. Well, but we've seen players quote tweet, uh, hey, y'all be nice to the team with, yeah, uh, the haters are crazy, haha. Ha, Two hours before tip-off. Game day. You're, you're going into the octagon of doom to play a top 10 team on the road, and you're worried about what people are tweeting about you? Yeah. Are you kidding me? It really and, and locked that, in. And, and that's your starting point guard, by the way, not yeah. like some schmuck at the end of the bench. It, I, I think it's terrible. And we talked about it before, but Norrence Odiase down the stretch on road trips is taking phones and putting them in a lockbox to where people are focused on a trip. And we've talked about uh, this team is leaderless on the floor for large stretches. I think Pop Isaacs is the best leader on the team. But when your true freshman is the best leader and your senior that's been three at three different schools is just dribbling into traffic and looking back and trying to throw it wild. Like, why do we expect to win close games at the end of a game? And the best part of that clip that Bean shared was, oh, well, you're young, F that. Oh, well, we've been injured, F that. And that fits this team perfectly. Because at some point, you just have to go out and play and win. And they're not. And they've lost the same way over and over and over, and there's no improvement. Yeah. Who, who on this team has improved this year besides Pop Isaacs? I think Jalen Tyson has been a little bit up and down. You, you could say overall he's trended up, but I, I get your point, though, yeah. So, it's just 
it's frustrating. Yeah, no, it, it's, and, it's way too much like, hey, look at all we accomplished over the last five years. So everybody just let this slide. And it's nobody saying what you're quoting, Rob, of like, no, screw the injuries, next man up, or screw that uh, the refs botched that game. Let's get the next one. It's always it's, – it's horrible, in my opinion. And I don't expect to be in the NCAA tournament every year. You've been on a really good run. But I do expect to be better than 0-9 against quad one opponents at the end of January. Yes. I do. I, that's a basic expectation. And and here's the thing with that too is I I think you could very easily make the argument that Texas Tech has never had as many resources at its disposal as it does right now. You've got brand new practice facility that is truly state of the art. Like Texas Tech bias aside, the Womble Center is incredible. Um, you've got a great home court advantage. You've proven that you can win in the transfer portal, that you can get guys to come play here. And you've got some deep pockets that, that can now really help you out. And it, it just hasn't panned out on the court. And that's when, that's when things start to kind of, you got to start looking in the mirror. I've got two more thoughts on basketball. Ryan, I think I'm, you you tweeted some some second half type data or, or information. And I want to run through this. I, I tweeted this out. I'm going off memory now, but so four of your seven losses in conference play, like let's put aside Iowa State and Baylor basically taking you wire to wire. And let's put aside the Kansas game where overall I think you played an okay game, very competitive. Now you did blow an eight point first half lead versus Kansas. But let's look at the other four games that aren't Kansas, Baylor, and Iowa State. You had a halftime lead in three of them. TCU, I think you were up by 12 at one point. The halftime lead might have been 11, but uh, you had, a, I think, 80 or 83% chance to win that game per ESPN Basketball Power Index, which tracks win probability at every minute throughout the game. You lose. You had a, the one game you were winning at halftime of those four I mentioned, OU, uh, or excuse me, that you were losing at halftime, OU, you had a one-point deficit, but a 58% chance to win the game. And you come out of the second half, they go up by, I think, 13. Uh, and then you, you claw your way back into it, but you lose uh, in overtime. You were beating Texas by, I think, nine at halftime, maybe eight. Had a 60, nine. yeah, had a 64% one. chance. One. Yeah. Uh, and then what's the fourth one I'm forgetting here? Oh, Kansas State, of course, the one we just lost. Uh, up by five at halftime, had, I think, 58% chance to win the game. And again, this is not a case of, like, you should have won all four of them. If you win three of those and set aside the Kansas loss, which was also a winnable game, you're three and four in Big 12 play and probably close to the bubble conversation. And nobody's hitting the panic button. You're saying, okay, like, win the next one at home against West Virginia, winnable game. You're back to 500 in Big 12 play and, you know, onward and upward. But to lose all four of those games that you were favored to win at halftime, and, and some of them like in the excruciating fashion that you did, it tells me that, okay, the talent isn't the problem because you can win these games for 25, 30, 35 minutes at a time. Uh, it tells me that when like the, the in-game scenarios, the, you know, the play you run or defend out of a timeout, you're losing the halftime adjustments and then those key moments in the second half over and over and over again. And so, Ryan, I, I think you maybe tweet out some different second half type information that probably tells the same story in a different way. But I think that's a huge issue for this team. 
Yeah, I just posted screenshots because they were way more depressing to me and felt like that just resonated with me. But it's true. And I mean, you you know, I, I had some some comments on, on that tweet of like, hey, basketball is a game of runs. No lead is safe in college basketball, especially in the three-point era. Well, true. Like, it's still a sport. But look at the data. Look at the data of when teams are leading by five at half especially when you start getting to that seven, eight point range, that's where things get really interesting. And it's your job as the team with the lead to make the adjustment, to play ahead and to maintain that lead. And it it just hasn't gotten done time and time again, they've fallen short. And I think it goes back to the, if there is a culture of complacency and resting on your laurels that I just got done ranting about, I think that could be true in game. Hey, we're on the road here against the top 15 team. We're up by five and a half time. Good job, everybody. Well, that's not good enough because the game's not over at halftime. Or like, oh, hey, we hung tough with Kansas. Great job, everybody. We're on the road in Fort Worth. They're a top 20 team. We're up by 12 and a half time. Bang up job, everyone. That's not good enough to have a halftime lead. And so, fair or not, there's at least this sense of complacency when you lose four games that you're favored to win at halftime of like, okay, well, let's just – we did good enough, let's coast, and then the other team outmaneuvers you in the second half. Uh, I had an old boss who used to say, if it ain't broke, fix it. And what that meant was, don't wait till something goes wrong to fix it. Just constantly be improving what you're doing at work. And that maybe it just comes off that way because of how they've lost these games, but that kind of seems to be missing with this team. Well, if you just specifically look at the Kansas State game, um, you got down early. And then you fought back in the first half. Uh, you had a bacho um, cheap shot at midcourt. And after that, the team played really hard. And it kind of woke everybody up. It's like, oh, bacho's throwing cheap shots. Let's play for him. And then it was like a 15-5 to run, and you took a lead. And then you kept the lead the, the entire first half. And then you kind of made that shot. You didn't kind of make it. You made a shot. Pop Isaacs at the end of the half. Uh, Banks won in. And then you just didn't play a good second half and lost by 10 or whatever it was. It wasn't even, you didn't even particularly play hard in the last 10 minutes. You just kind of gave up. Right? And and how many times have we seen Norrence Odiase or, well, really just Norrence tweeting, like, just play harder. Like, what are you doing? Like, this never would have happened when I was there. The last time that Texas Tech had an effective field goal percentage as low as it was on Saturday against Kansas State was the Tennessee game in Madison Square Garden, Oof. which was an absolute eye bleeder. Um, and yeah, kind of my closing thoughts here because I feel like I'm I'm walking in circles. But you're not the most dangerous 0 and 7 team in the country when when you shoot 37 percent on effective field goal percentage. And you're you're sitting here, and I, I've done this almost every episode now, but you're sitting here, and it's January 22nd. Your best win per net right now is Eastern Washington. Eastern Washington's best win is Montana State. Hey, I want to apologize for the Wi-Fi issues earlier. As everybody knows, I'm a... 30 year old man who lives with his mom. Um, 
probably wouldn't have experienced the Wi-Fi issues if I was staying at a state trade property. Why? Because all of those properties are professionally decorated, furnished, and probably, uh, you know, some solid fiber optics as well. If you haven't stayed with State Trig yet, statetrig.com, 10% off your first booking with the promo code Gauchos. What is State Trig? It's your local option for a short-term home rental in the Lubbock area. So if you're back on business or to watch the Lady Raiders uh, baseball season right around the corner, anything like that, stay with our friends over at State Trig. You can book at statetrig.com. They've got properties all over the Lubbock area to suit your needs. Okay, I have one more thought and then I'll shut up about basketball. Let me preface this by saying I am not advocating for the firing of Mark Adams. Did everybody hear what I just said? Am I advocating right now for the firing of Mark Adams? No. Okay, perfect. I'm glad that's understood. But I saw somebody say, hey, if you fire Mark Adams, what what kind of message is that going to send to your next head coach if he thinks he can be fired after two years? And I'm like, "I, I kind of get what you're saying. But also, like, I thought Matt Wells deserved to be fired after two years, and the candidate you replaced him with was very much available, and you could have just started the rebuild a year sooner. Um, no, I get the sentiment, because then the guy who's interviewing for the job to replace him is like, well, are y'all going to fire me after two years if I start 0-9 versus teams with a pulse? Yes. Yes. And you should not be going to a job interview saying, hey, time out real quick, though. If I'm 0-9 in year two, are y'all going to fire me? Yes, we are. Yeah, And I don't want a candidate who thinks that that's even a remote possibility. And so give me a candidate who says, fine, yeah, if I'm 0-9, fire me. But I promise you we're not going to be 0-9. We were telling Jeff Goodman and everybody else all year last year what an attractive job this is. And, Ryan, you hit on it earlier. We have one of the best practice facilities in the country. When we're good, we will pay you literal top five money in the entire country. We have 15,000 people that come to every home game if you just go 500 in Big 12 play. Yeah, we have an NIL infrastructure that is probably top quartile in the entire Power Six. So is the job going to be unattractive if you fire Mark Adams after year two? I don't think so. Might be unattractive to some loser who thinks he can't win here through two years. But to anybody who thinks he's worth his salt and thinks that he can build this program into a winner, which we know it can be, Yes. The last three guys have won Big 12 Coach of the Year here. Um, then I think it's still an incredibly attractive job. I don't think you taint that by by firing a guy two years in. Uh, the comments aren't popping up, so what's what's so funny? Just uh, Maddie saying it. <laughs> it does sound like you are having. How about this? Don't be afraid of high expectations. Yes. Don't now, okay. Be, do not be afraid of high expectations. Now. Now, I will say, if you fire every coach after two years, then, yeah, you turn into, like, Auburn football and maybe there's some – but, all, like, it's a good gamble for a head coach because, like, Chris Beard, had he stayed here, he would have had a statue built out of him yeah. or, or for him, and he would have literally made top five money. Like, it would have been, like, Calipari, Shashevsky, and maybe a couple of guys, and Beard. Yeah. And so, again, if I'm a good basketball coach – and I'm confident in my abilities to not go 0-9 versus teams with a pulse. I'm like, hey, give me the tech job. We're not ever going to lose at home. They'll pay me $5.5 million a year. I can recruit some of the best guys in the country. Uh, you know, Sign me up. So, no, I, I think that is a misguided talking point that, like, oh, you can't fire a guy after year two. You have to automatically give him a certain number of years. Otherwise, nobody else is going to want the job. I don't think that's true. Um. 
who okay, so we're not advocating for the firing of Mark Adams. No, absolutely not. But if Mark Adams was not here next year, whether he, I don't know, resigns or whatever else, um, who would be a candidate that you go after? We heard a few last year. Um, the coach at Illinois was one of them, Brad Underwood. Underwood? Yeah. Uh, he was one of them that we kept hearing. We heard that a lot last offseason. Uh, the must bus is something that we've heard a bunch. Uh, somebody's commenting Jerome Tang. I don't know. Uh, Otzelberger is getting paid like a million dollars a year. Could you money whip him? I don't know. Um, Nate Oates at Alabama. He's got players, you know, going to prison. So maybe, maybe a culture wise, that's not a great fit, but um, I don't know. I don't know who. And that's why we're not advocating for firing Mark Adams because we're not on the hiring. Um, what was that? Um, was that we are there? not oh. not advocating for the firing of Mark Adams because there's not qualified people out there who would want the job. Was that a double negative? Yeah, I'm, I'm saying that um, the idea that there's a dearth of coaching talent willing to take the job is not one of the reasons right. that okay. you shouldn't fire Mark Adams. I just feel like a lot of those on there would be, would be yeah. Look like names N- you go after. Nate Oates has the number one team in the country right now. He's not. You're not going to convince him to move here. But I think Dalvin Hester would be high on the list. I think he'd probably get an interview at the very least. Um, Alabama's he, number one. Yeah, they're they're, they're about to be. Because they will be awesome. tomorrow. Yeah. Well, um, you missed the boat on Darvin Ham. Unfortunately, for now. Yeah, you're going to hire him away from the Lakers. Um, Grant McCaslin. He eh, he's a little too Baylor bold for me. How about Mike Boynton? Scott Drew. Scott Just Drew. name a bunch of yeah, coaches. Hey, can you go get Bill Self? <laughs> yeah. Um, th- that was a joke, by the way. If it, I feel like somebody's gonna hammer me for that later. Like, aren't you the guys who thought you could just get Bill Self? To what about, come what about Royal Ivy? I'd consider that. UT player. You'd rather have a yeah. UT player than a Baylor bold guy. Um, yeah, because he'll, he will have learned from, you know, the mistakes of the father, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. And if he did really well here, I don't think he'd bounce for UT. I mean, I'm sure he would. He played there, but, right. um, but I mean, Hey, look, if, if you, don't we always say that we're okay with tech being a stepping stone job? Cause it means you had a great run and like, yeah, beard got to an elite eight, a final four and he left, but like, that was a good five year run of basketball. Bring coach K out of retirement. Yeah, uh, d- does Jay Wright want to come coach on the South Plains? Jay Wright, yeah. Um, no, Tubby, I don't Tubby know. I haven't, well, I haven't thought that far ahead <laughs> as far as who you could try and go get. But, um, you know, is there another Jerome Tang out there? Can you go get the top assistant at one of these schools that's crushing it? Someone who's been there a long time? Yeah. All right. I don't know. Uh, do you want to do some diversified lenders mailbag so we can get out of this? Yes. Shaka Smart. Um, diversified Lenders, you can find them at diversifiedlenders.com. Red Raider owned, operated two generations of Red Raiders. Uh, they can take your accounts receivable and turn them into cash money. Uh, realistically, at this point, what is it going to take for this team to have success in Big 12 play? A prayer. <laughs> Win a game? I'm not. Yeah. 
I do think confidence goes into it. You said that as a joke, Kyle, but I sometimes you just need to see like Money Marr finally made a field goal and then he made a, another one. You just need to see the ball go through the the uprights. Is is confidence an issue when you're like tweeting about proving the haters wrong right before tip off versus Kansas State? Like they they don't seem to be lacking confidence in my opinion. Yeah. I think they're probably overconfident. Maybe. What would you put the new the new line at for Big 12 wins? Mm. Uh probably four and a half. Uh I think it was I think it was Ken Palm's latest projection has you at like four and fourteen. Or or so, so maybe three and a half, I don't know. That's terrible. Somebody in the chat says a sacrificial goat. Um, despite the numerous areas we need to improve, what one area are you prioritizing in practice this week? Defense. Three-point shooting. Shot selection. Shot Turnovers. Selection. Yeah, turnovers. Well, yeah. I would... I would tell them to bring their own gym shorts and run them for two hours and say, we need to work on our conditioning and you don't even get the team issued gear because you've earned absolutely nothing this season. We going, uh, like, earn, you got to earn the star. You don't even have to bring a ball to practice. Just run them back and forth across the court for two hours and say, at, le- at the very least, we won't be tired when there's one minute left in the second half and then go from there. Put a lock on the balls. I, I don't care. Yeah. I'd go shot selection. Steven Stevens taking the under on four and a half, by the way. Uh, a Gaucho's party at Texas Live for the Big 12 baseball tournament this year? Yes. Go ahead and book that. Can we do something different, like a a weekend of baseball where Tim Tadlock will try a little bit harder? Well, we can also do that. Is, you know how the Big 12 baseball tournament is. I think we'll try to be in Houston for the Shriners College Classic. Yes. We'll probably do a post game at Bell Station. Yes, Kyle? On yes. Saturday? Because that game's at 11 a.m. Just let me know when. Okay. So we are just planning that. We're going to have to get with Bell Station first. <laughs> I'm, I'm carpooling down there with Mainville. Sweet. So uh, Bell Station Saturday, and then I guess we could do it Sunday pregame. To go to the A&M game, but uh, once we get there, we'll figure that out. Uh, but I, I do want to go to the Texas Live. I've always wanted to go to a Big 12 ba- uh, baseball tournament. I haven't been yet. And now that it's in Arlington, I think that's a natural fit. Who is whining about the new football schedule for it to be taking this long to release? UT, OU, or the new four? I don't know. It's got to be Texas and OU. It's got to be. Surely it's not the the new four. Are there too many voices, you think, right now? Is your mark trying to hear everybody too much? I think maybe you just need to take an executive decision and say, here's the schedule. Quit, quit crying. I, think. I don't know what money is still floating around. I wonder if that has anything to do with it. But at some point, you've just got to say, we, we've got to get a schedule out. So I actually heard a rumor from I was in a Kansas State Twitter spaces last night and they said part of the issue stems from the Southwest Conference schools basically griping over playing UT and OU 
Uh, so I think it, it's some of that. Like like Houston obviously really wants to play Texas before they leave the conference because I'm not going to ever get to again. Right. And then what? Right. Um, and then so I don't know if schools like – so if they made the schedule that way and like Baylor doesn't get to play Texas or Tech doesn't get to play Texas, those schools then throw a fit. And so – but Texas doesn't want to play TCU, Baylor, Tech, Houston – and OU, like all in the same season. Um, so I think that was part of it. And then, yeah, probably some of it is Texas and OU saying we don't want to go to Cincinnati or Orlando. Um, you know, we have no history there. We have no fan base presence there. So I don't know. Uh, I think the schedule is more or less, for Texas Tech, been pretty well leaked by Chris Level at Red Raider Sports. Like you can deduce at least the teams that we're playing. Not necessarily the order or home and away, but um, I think that info is out there if you have a subscription there. Uh, what comes first, a Texas Tech football national championship or a Cowboys Super Bowl? Texas Tech championship. Let's do this. How about a playoff appearance or an NFC championship game? Game or win? Just appearance in both. I would still lean Texas Tech. <laughs> Probably. The probability is higher mathematically. Yeah. yeah. On one hand, the Cowboys have the easier path because there's so much parity in the NFL, whereas like Texas Tech is clearly several rungs below Ohio State and Georgia. But it, but once it goes to twelve teams and it's just win the Big Twelve, then I feel like it's you're on even footing with everybody that'll be in the new Big Twelve, and so I think you have a pretty clear path there. Who will be the next Parlay Picador to get married? That's from Stephen Stevens. Heard some rumors on Stephen Stevens uh, getting connected with a couple people. Next Picador to get married. Surely there's one out there that's like already engaged or something. Yeah, surely. Off the top of my head, I'm I'm hammering Root. Root's in his bag right now. Yeah, he is. I like that. That's like a sleeper pick, but yeah. See in the chat? I hadn't seen him tonight. Uh, Scott in the chat says, I hope Texas know you were sent back to Lubbock. Any chance of that? Probably not. No. no. I would I would assume you're going to Austin and to Houston. Which I kind of like. If this is the last time you play Texas, I'd rather it be in Austin now. Because you'll always have the win in Lubbock. And then if you beat them in Austin too, you can have said you've beat them in both Lubbock and Austin the final times you played them as Big 12 teams. Yeah, house money. Root is married to the game. <laughs> Which gaucho is most likely to be prepared for sheltering during a winter storm? Is that a Kyle lives in his mom's basement joke? Uh, I don't think so. Well, S oh. Spencer said it, so maybe. For, for what it's worth, she doesn't have a basement, and I actually live upstairs, so I don't know if that oh. makes me did he better prepared or ill-prepared for a winter storm. Did he infer that you were living in a basement? Yeah, he might have. Yeah. <laughs> um, I Aaron Wilson the, says Rod. Yeah, I went to the grocery store the other day, but I didn't get any milk or bread, so... Hey, um, new nickname. So Ryan is Rye Guy. Rob is Hot Rod. I don't. I don't know about that. Uh, I do. 
What would the Gauchos slash Picadors consider a successful second season for Joey McGuire? Ten spreads covered. Um, how about just better than last year? So nine wins, whether that's in the regular season or plus a bowl game, I think, you know, some position groups will be better off than they were last season. Some, you know, will have something to prove versus how good they were last season. So I don't think it's unreasonable to say that, you know, moving in the right direction is just doing better than you did the year before. And I would, six. I, <laughs> I would honestly say uh, repeating this success and being seven and five with a bowl win again is like you don't want to you don't want to be too stuck, but to do that twice, especially if you have a winning Big Twelve record again in back to back seasons, like again you're stacking some successes there. But I I do think that there's some natural projection that progression that's not exactly hey you just have to win more every year but to do some things every year and to to keep up recruiting and I think there's a lot of things you can consider success in the second season I think if you win the national championship you have to I think there's a case to be made that that is a successful season yeah so if if Joey McGuire wins the national championship next year should you just fire him because he's not going to be that good the year the third the third year yeah just just cut bait early. yeah because he's, you know, he's capped as a coach. He's not going to do – so you might as well just let go from him then. He's going to want to get paid. I'll just, yeah, cut bait. Uh, Ice Cold Take says you need to find an outside receiver to replace Duran Bradley. Did he – did I miss something? Is he talking about when I said some position groups will be better and some will have something to prove? Well, apparently uh, Ice Cold Takes thinks that uh, Duran Bradley's leaving Texas Tech. Well – there's some misconception here in the. Is he in the portal? Did we miss that? Well, it would only be like the fifth or sixth week in a row that that's rumored. So, is this an OU fan? I don't know, or maybe he's like leaning into a bit, like he only gives bad takes because of his username. Maybe it's been it's been closed for like five days, right? Yeah, it'll reopen after spring ball, though, so you could yeah. go then, I guess. Breaking news: Technically, you can enter any time. You just have to have a waiver if you enter in that dead period. Yeah. Uh, first time, long time. When is Kyle moving back into Tom or Thomas Jefferson's house? Now, you're in that house. People just don't realize you're in a different bedroom. So this is just a different headboard in the Thomas Jefferson house. Yeah. The the other one's like just across the hall. Do you want to go show the people you're still in that house? or? Yeah, hang on. Uh, Ice Cold takes us... Thought he was leaving with Jones. My bad. No, he's he did not. Nobody left with Jones. Really. Uh, Trey Cleveland left, but he went uh, with Eric Morris and not Emmett Jones. A lot of people in Crimson thought he was leaving with Jones too. A lot of people. Um, here's a good question, and the final one of the mailbag: How much does pressure on Mark Adams increase if we lose at home to West Virginia on Wednesday? I'm going to answer this one real simple. The pressure should be at the peak. You shouldn't have more pressure at 0-8 than you do at 0-7. The pressure's on. Now, here he is. People are real excited now. Chat's going crazy. What say you? How much pressure 
is on Adams after uh, if they lose at home this weekend? Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think you're at the point where after you start 0-7, what's 0-8? Like, yeah, it's it's worse than winning the game for sure, but one individual game isn't going to make or break anything at this point, I don't think. Um, yeah, talking about the Kim Palm projections that you were talking about earlier, you're projected to win four more games this season. One of them is West Virginia. The other one is LSU on the road, Kansas State at home, which I feel like that model is going to catch up to you, and then Oklahoma State at home. That West Virginia game, you are a, a .7 projected favorite. So At home. It And again, it, it's not a line we're used to seeing. West Virginia is probably the second worst team in the Big 12 right in front of you. And here you are. And if this is going to be a game where it's going to be one of these nail biters down the stretch, can you can you kind of break break the streak? Can you turn it around? Can you win a game down the stretch? And that's a lot to ask with the Hall of Fame coach on on the other bench. How about the week that TCU had beating uh, Kansas State by twenty, losing to West Virginia on the road, and then beating. Kansas and Lawrence, their worst loss at home in like 25 years or more. 50 years. What was the stat? And Kansas has now lost back-to-back Big 12 games for the first time since 2013. You've done that three weeks in a row. Is there a spread yet for Texas Tech versus West Virginia? Probably not, right? No, they, they don't put them out until 24 hours. So we'll see it Tuesday. I think it'll be Tech, tech minus two and a half. What do y'all think? Yeah, two and a half, probably. Uh, I mean, Texas Tech will be favored. They're at home. Big 12 home teams are generally favored. But it's going to be close. Yeah, I might I might go one and a half. Yeah. I think BPI was like 55% chance for Tech to win. But they've obviously not. I wonder. I, I think we're 7 and 10 against the spread this season. According to action, um, of course, zero and four I think as favorites in Big Twelve play, uh, and that—that's straight up. So, right, I'm trying to bring a like a modicum of gambling talk into the podcast. Well, if you're zero and four and as favorites, you would be zero and four straight up because you hadn't won any games. Yes. Yeah, so, oh, I meant I was clarifying straight up, not zero and four oh, against the spread, because I guess you have covered. And Big 12 play, but people really love the headboard. They go wild for the headboard, really. We got like 12 comments. There it is, guys. All right. Final thought. Final thoughts. It's a headboard podcast now. Uh, Big Hand says. <laughs> final thoughts, Kyle. So you can just stay in that bed and give us your final thoughts. No, I think I already said it all. Do you want to give us one more uh, comment on how you're not? advising for Mark Adams to be fired? Right. I, I didn't advocate for that on this podcast. Okay. But just to clarify, on this podcast. Now he's frozen again. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't think I've publicly advocated for Mark Adams to be fired. Publicly. 
That's what I said. You're very good at choosing your words, and I appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> Ryan, do you have any final thoughts? If you uh, need some renovating in your home, if you've been living in a presidential suite and you're ready to, to get your money up, I got some time to kill. Uh, got to do something to uh, take out all the pain that sports is putting me through right now. And so I would love to throw a sledgehammer into your wall. My final thought um, from Bill Walton's kid, should I be pressing the panic button on the Cowboys season yet? Yes. <laughs> Push it. It's over. The Dallas Cowboys will always suck in crunch time if Mike McCarthy is the head coach. He's a bum. The coach is a direct result of his team being undisciplined during crunch time. They stink late in games. There's no kind of discipline. There is no urgency that friendly fire that fat idiot mike mccarthy is never going to be great in dallas fire him Dak stinks zeke is washed and you're gonna pay him 15 million dollars next year kill everyone move on start over all right love y'all hey wait okay are you gonna upload this to spotify and apple for chris yes Okay, good. I will have it on Spotify and Apple and uh, all your podcasting services. Awesome. All right. See you guys. Love Love y'all. And yes, I'm advocating for the firing of Mark McCarthy.